welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, in which we take a deeper look at the topic of focus or the passage from the previous weekend. Uh, we are in our United Together series, where we are looking at Paul's letter, uh, 1 Corinthians. And this previous weekend, our topic was uh, United in Differences. And so uh, my name is Brad. I'm joined by Chris Banser, St. Charles Campus Pastor. Yes. Chris, how are you doing? Good. I am uh, going on vacation this Friday, so Ooh. I'm excited for that. Excited to do a deep dive before I leave for the Great White North. You're going to Canada? I am going to Canada. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Doing some fishing. Doing some fishing. Going to boundary waters. Doing some lakes activity. All right. So I will encounter mosquitoes that are the size of a bird <laughs> and try to fin them off. And uh, so yeah, had to get a deep dive in before I left. Yeah. Cool. How's the fancy baseball team looking? Fancy baseball team's doing pretty good. I'm in first right now, but I, I have had a recent dip in form in the last week or two. So my lead is not as large as it once was. Yeah, but you've been that top three or four like all season. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, this deep dive, though, is not about um, fancy baseball, although maybe a future episode. Of- yeah. Deep dive uh, will be for subscribers. Uh, for subscribers, <laughs> yeah, this, one, yeah, yeah. this one's free. This one, this one's free. Yes, yes. yeah. For subscribers on our uh, Patreon account, you can. Uh, no, I'm just. <laughs> we don't have that. Uh, everything's free here at Calvary. Um, okay, so united in differences. That's the idea. Yes. So the first week, uh, united in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of focused on some of the earlier chapters. Uh, even in our last week of a deep dive, we talked about, okay, what does wisdom look like? Yeah. Um, the wisdom of the cross, the foolishness of man. Uh, now we're into chapters like 8, 9, 10. And so mm-hmm. uh, one of the difficulties with a, a project like this, um, you know, it's a six-week message series. And yet First Corinthians... Uh, has more than six chapters. There's more than six things going on. And so how do we pick and choose yet still be faithful to the message that Paul um, is writing? And so in Corinthians, a very diverse church, um, lots of differences, socioeconomic yes. backgrounds. Um, we you know we covered a little bit of that in the context of just like where Corinth was situated um, on an isthmus in between the Adriatic and the Aegean Seas. You had mm-hmm. a major trade route go through. And so a lot of people, a lot of customs, a lot of uh, activity, a lot of different backgrounds coming through here. And the church was no exception. Um, mm-hmm. This was present there as well. And so uh, what does it look like to be united, um, I don't know, in spite of differences, um, because of differences, uh, in differences? With differences. With differences. I think with differences is what yeah. I roll with. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay, say more about that. Yeah, I think it's with differences because the differences are actually not always sin or things that are to be avoided. Actually, at times, they are things to be tremendously celebrated Mm. um, because our God is not boring. He has not designed and created and wired us to be of complete uniformity. How bleak would that be? (laughs) And and the picture we actually get of the New Jerusalem is that of every tongue, tribe, and nation, which is actually quite beautiful. So... Um, I think united with differences is is good vocabulary. Um, now, sometimes our differences are because of our own folly, our own pettiness, and we wouldn't celebrate those things. But um, united in Christ with the Holy Spirit is going to bring a massively diverse people from many different bra- backgrounds, from many different ways and areas of life with 
different goals and aspirations. But um, when they're united together in the, under the centrality of the cross, there's actually a diversity that's um, celebrated. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be in spite of the, the differences necessarily. Mm. Yeah. That's good. I, I want to do two things in this discussion. I want to um, be faithful to 1 Corinthians, specifically chapters uh, 8, 9, and 10. Yep. Um, if we have if we have time, we can maybe backtrack a little bit and look at uh, 6 and 7, because there's mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff there, too. Yeah. Um, but then also the discussion of, well, what should we divide over? Yes. Right? Because those are two kind of related mm-hmm. but but separate things. So first, though, um, unpack this uh, food, you know, offered to idols argument that Paul is making in chapters yeah. 8, 9, and 10. Yeah. So food is sacrificed to idols everywhere in Corinth. You can't avoid it. Can't avoid it. Like it's where it comes from. It's, it's like in the marketplace. The, it's like going to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Like we understand it because most of us don't actually farm our own food. So mm-hmm. like you can't avoid purchasing something that's maybe been sacrificed to an idol. So Paul's saying, those of you who are theologically a little more advanced know that really these things are just sacrificed to the figment of human imagination. But weaker Christians are are those who are not quite as theologically developed or they're newer Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, They might not understand this. So it might be a real stumbling block. They might see someone who led them to faith eat a ribeye that's sacrificed to Mars, and now they're like, oh my goodness, you know, what is this person doing? Are they worshiping Mars? Mm -hmm. So Paul's saying, heck, I'll be a vegetarian if I have to, if it means that I'm not going to make one of my brothers or sisters in Christ stumble. Um, So that's the the issue of meat and public food and public eating, um, or even within a a setting of a private home is actually quite a contentious issue Mm -hmm. for the first century church at Corinth, because there are those who don't quite um, understand that there's Christian liberty in eating the meat because it's actually not sacrificed to anything mm-hmm. at all. And just, you know, it's not going to affect your spirituality mm-hmm. to eat that meal. Yeah. Do we, um, when I read passages like this, and this probably is not the right frame of mind to have. Yes. When I read passages like this, what I want to do is, okay, well, which which of the groups is better? Like which yeah. group is Like, which group do I want to be part of? And I think yeah. probably in reality... Depending on different situations, sometimes I fall into one and sometimes mm-hmm. I fall into another. But uh, so anyway, what do we what do we do? How do we faithfully read a passage like this? Mm-hmm. And then, do we have any, I don't know, modern day examples of like this? I mean, maybe not to yeah. this level, but like any any common application for us um, yeah. with it? Well, I think there's a a ton of modern day mm-hmm. examples. Um, Let's take, like, beer for one, Mm. right? Like, let's just go down that road. All right, let's do it. So You heard it here first. (laughs) So within a framework of Christian liberty, like, if you don't struggle with this temptation or addiction to alcohol, Mm -hmm. like, within our theological denomination and framework, like, you have the freedom to drink a beer, Mm -hmm. right? But if you have a brother or sister where, like, that's going to – convict their conscience or it's going to be a stumbling block or maybe you know their history and there's addiction or there's um, close family members Mm -hmm. that were alcoholics and there was trauma there. Like in any of that, like 
you would you would avoid it for their sake. Like it's an awareness, mm-hmm. it's a love, it's a kindness towards neighbor. Yeah. And it's not to say that their conscience is the law over your life, but it is to say the con- your their conscience determines the way you love their life. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's a sticky statement right there. Yeah, why did you use that this weekend? I didn't. Why, why didn't I think <laughs> about that, that? A, a couple days ago? Um, maybe we'll have an excuse to bring it back <laughs> later in Corinthians. But yeah, um, yeah so that's kind of what Paul is saying is weird, wield your knowledge in love. Mm-hmm. It's not that their conscience is the law over your liberty. Yeah. But um, he's saying, I'll, I'll be a vegetarian yeah. if it's going to cause someone else to stumble. Yeah. What do we do with the, the words like weak and strong? Because yeah. like... One of those feels a lot better than the other. Yeah. So I think in this context, when we look at that word weak, we can say newer or um, it's not necessarily that this person Mm -hmm. is a horrible Christian. Mm -hmm. They might just be fresh out of the blocks. Like they might have been a convert a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Like they're still wrestling with a whole life lived where what they ate was in worship explicitly or implicitly to whoever, mm-hmm. right? Apollos or, you know, like whatever yeah, yeah. God that yeah. was in, in that temple situation. So um, th- the irony is, the really sad irony that we get to is that the stronger Christians are not wielding their knowledge with love, and in that they're actually displaying their immaturity mm-hmm. when they think they're displaying their maturity. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the... That's really the cut good. cut back. That's kind of the sad irony of the whole situation. Yeah. I think um, <clears throat> I was talking to Dan earlier this week, and he used the phrase, those with fragile faith. Yeah. Because, like, fragile is something that, again, has a, a weaker connotation, but there's, like, precious things are fragile, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really good, oh, a really good uh, wordsmithing um, of, of the, the argument that Paul um, yeah, that he was making. Yeah. Um, well, what what about okay? So in this particular situation, we're talking about things that were were divisive for Christians in this particular church. Um, in John seventeen, Jesus calls you know he prays for unity in the future church. Uh, unity is something that is um, fleeting. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that uh, though is very connected to the message of the gospel, and. Yet, culturally speaking, very divided world, very polarized. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see this in churches, too. We see this um, amongst churches. So I guess my question is, if unity is such an important thing, why so many churches? Why so many denominations? And, like, for us, like, what what should we divide over? Yeah. So let's take the first part of that. together first. Let's say denominations. Why is there a million denominations? Well, sometimes it's out of our own folly, our own foolishness. Like sometimes there are legitimate schisms and divisions that happen over things that are secondary at best, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe even more tertiary, um, whether that's, I don't know, music style or whatever. So we would say in some ways it's mistake, maybe even go so, so far to say is, is maybe it's potentially even sin huh. um, where we haven't loved our brothers and sisters well. But I do also think there's a category of different strategy, mm-hmm. same mission. Mm-hmm. So the expression of the church in St. Charles County, Missouri, 
stylistically probably has to be a bit different than that of Uganda or South Korea or Finland, right? Yeah. So in some ways, you're talking about same mission, goals, values, unity. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, it just looks very different because it's a different strategy, and it's actually no folly or sin involved. Yeah. So I think we need to account for that too. Yeah. So so what um, like what should churches divide over? Yeah. Well, I, I think mean, I mean strategy yes. would be one thing. Yes. Yeah, strategy. I also think there there's grounds for um, reforms and divisions over what Lewis might call mere Christianity, mm-hmm. right? Like we have to hold stylistically secondary issues as if they are secondary. But if the gospels had abandoned, I mean, if the centrality of the cross in Christ is forsaken and it goes outside the bounds of what we would call historical orthodoxy within mm-hmm. Christianity, which even that's a, a bit complicated, mm-hmm. right? So I want to be f- fair there. But um, then then I think that when, when the mission or the centrality of the cross, when the power mm-hmm. is extracted from the Christian yeah. faith and it becomes, I don't know, therapeutic moralistic deism or prosperity gospel, or you can name a million different kind yeah. of iterations. Um, then at that point, that, that may be something we don't want to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I think what Paul in First Corinthians constantly does is he's constantly redirecting uh, the focus um, away from the division, away from these other things, and towards the cross, towards the gospel, yeah. towards the work of Jesus and the Spirit um, and the lives of the yeah. church for the mission, because it matters. I, I do wonder, um, you know, earlier you were, you were talking about how uh, there are there is there's beauty in diversity. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we celebrate diversity for diversity's sake alone, um, but there is beauty in diversity's sake. Like when we get to heaven, um, it's it's not going to look just like what our churches look like. No. For for right now. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like I, I don't know. Author uh, Scott McKnight he has a book called A Celebration of Difference. Difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T-S. Okay. Um, so he was describing the, or no, not a celebration, a fellowship, a fellowship of difference. Okay. And basically using it as a picture for what the church truly is. It's a fellowship of people who are different, fundamentally mm-hmm. different, different backgrounds, different um, historical contexts, different points in time, different preferences, all these different things. And that's truly what makes, up, makes the church unique um, in that... I think we see in other religions or other faiths, it's all about this like uniformity yes. rather than unity. Yeah. Um, and yet Christianity uh, stands unique in that it's, hey, no, 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 bring your diversity, bring your different preferences, bring these things that, um, you know, what have you, and yet we're called to unity. Yeah. So, yeah, at the risk of being kind of offensive here, let's let's look at Christianity globally. Um, let's just throw Antarctica and Australia off the map. Just <laughs> throw them off the map Sorry, for a guys. second. If you look at the other five continents, it's almost a 2020, 2020, 2020 split percent for Christianity. Yeah, um, That doesn't happen by mistake from a faith that originally from primarily mm. Jewish people and then primarily Roman diaspora people. Mm. And then almost exclusively Greco-Roman people, mm-hmm. and then that expands out. Whereas when you look at other major religions in the world, it's not to say they don't have adherents on other continents from their original birthplace, but the ratios 
aren't even within a sniff of Mm. Christianity. I mean, um, they're much more tied to their birthplace of Mm -hmm. origin. Um, And here's why this is, you know, other major world religions will have uh, politics and cultural values that are actually ingrained um, to that faith Mm -hmm. where in Jesus we have someone that actually throws off all political expectations mm-hmm. and like cultural norms mm-hmm. and says, I, I want nothing to do with this. Yeah. Like I want the gospel to be everywhere yeah. despite whatever the political system is. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Now it, it, the pushback may be, well, there's someone like the Buddha who is similar to Jesus in that um, political expectations are thrown off. But, but even with Buddhism, we would say the centrality of that faith is nearly exclusively tied to its birthplace, mm. unlike Christianity. Yeah, no, that's great. And yet, how often in our churches do we want to just find people who are like us, who look like us, who sing like us? And <sighs> yeah. it's hard. It's, it's hard. Um, okay, well, we have about about five, five to ten more minutes. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit and look at chapters four, uh, well, really, chapters five, five, six, and seven, mm-hmm. um, because we're not going to hit on these specific things um, in our message series um, on the weekends, at least. Yeah. Um, and so, in chapter five, uh, you have um, Paul talking about um, sexual immorality in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, in chapter six, you have Paul speaking about um, or against Christians uh, taking other, you know, filing lawsuits against other. Believers, um, which is probably the one I want to talk about maybe the most, because I think there's some interesting questions and dynamics it brings up for the moment culturally (laughs) that we're in. Okay. Uh, And then in chapter seven, um, he talks about marriage, and Mm -hmm. uh, specifically, he goes into talking about singleness as well. So, where do you want to start in those three? I guess let's just start with lawsuits. Yes, let's start with the lawsuits. (laughs) Uh, So his argument here, and again, we only have a few minutes. We don't even have a time to do a whole sermon here. Um, You have Christians who were taking other Christians to court. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, hey, stop that. Mm -hmm. Why would he say stop that? Well, legally they have the right to. They're Roman citizens, most of them. So it's not like they're out of line there. Yep. Um, And yet, how does that look? I mean, um, to take your brother or sister, to drag them into court, um, not a great witness for the other Greco-Roman people Mm -hmm. that are in your Mm -hmm. major city observing this new faith that is Christianity. Yeah. Um, So it's not as if, though, they might not have had the legal right to, Mm -hmm. not technically breaking a law necessarily, Mm -hmm. but again, it's wielding their knowledge not in love, and it's tearing down brother and sister. Yeah, so it's hurting the mission. Um, but also, like, there's something said. Like, Paul has just made this argument, we talked about last week, um, of what wisdom is, yeah. right? Wisdom is the cross, and that's the foolishness of man. Mm-hmm. So, like, who are you to take your dispute and go allow others who don't share a common starting foundation for yeah. what even wisdom is and letting them enact a ruling um, yeah. that's not marked by the grace of the cross. Now, uh, here's where I think it gets interesting. We The cultural moment that we live in, especially within the church, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're coming out of the Me Too movement, maybe mm-hmm. not coming out of it, we're still in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different reports that come from different churches of, you know, high you know, cultural awareness standings in the, in the country of 
Well, what do you do in the church world when you come across um, active, like unlawful activity? Like, mm-hmm. what's our responsibility as, as ministers? And it probably depends on what the activity is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it. a lot of it depends on what the activity is. And I would say our responsibility as Christians is never self-preservation. Yeah. I think that's where we yeah. end up in a really horrible spot is when self-preservation is the largest value and other values that should be preeminent then get swept aside and the irony is that is um, wicked ways of self-preservation like always get revealed in the end. Yeah. And so then the thing that you thought you were gaining really is never gained, and now you've unlovingly, unkindly discriminated or abused or whatever your brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good, Chris. I, I appreciate you you saying that. Um, all right. Well, we're going to move quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. So this next topic, sexual immorality, and then he kind of talks about sexual immorality, and then he jumps after the lawsuit to uh, specifically marriage Mm -hmm. um, and singleness. What I want to do is talk more about the his charge to singleness there. He likes singles. He does. He loves them. Loves singles. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, maybe I'm just throwing this out there. This might even deserve a bonus episode of the Deep Dive at Mm -hmm. some point. Coming back yeah, to just for the Patreon subscribers, yeah, the Patreon subscribers <laughs> with fantasy baseball, uh, with fantasy baseball, it'd be great, very eclectic <laughs> uh, conversation. Um, no, I would love to do a conversation in the future just on Paul's ever changing, like view, not even changing views on marriage, um, but his instruction for marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think where this plays is the the sexual ethic of our day mm-hmm. and how that's connected to marriage because we are in you know where we are um, it's a different moment culturally than the 90s and the early 2000s where you had your true love weights movement and yeah. silver ring thing and all these other yes. um, really good natured intentioned mm-hmm. and yet also very shameful yeah. and harsh movements legalistic yeah legalistic movements um so yeah, we'll do a we'll do a bonus episode because uh, mm-hmm. j- like I said we want to do do justice to First yeah. Corinthians as a whole, and these yeah. arguments are happening here. Um, but yeah, what's what's Paul have to say for the singles? That they belong. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways we are way more sexualized today than the ancient world could have imagined, as we have massive billboard advertisements with nudity as you drive down the highway. But in other ways, there was a wide diversity of sexual orientations and identities in the ancient world. It's not like... It's not like a new thing. It's it's not a new thing. It really is not. And so Paul is is interacting with a diverse array of identities and preferences and setups, whether it be singleness, marriage, um, polygamy exists in the ancient world quite commonly. So, yeah. well, like, and, in, and in their context, yeah. he's 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 also very clear. Like, hey, stop having sex with your in-law. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, that's bad. That's not good. Not good, Corinthians. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but I would say above all else, we'll put more on the bonus episode. But uh, Paul would say singles belong, which yeah. um, sometimes our ch- local churches fail to reinforce. Yeah. Why is that? I think a bit culturally, and it's seeped into the church, like, and, and don't get me wrong, families should be incredibly valued. Mm-hmm. Like, I do believe they are 
a core unit mm-hmm. of the church, but they're not the only core unit yeah. of the local church. And so we've just got to be aware, maybe we're at, even at times a bit idolatrous of the picture perfect family. Well, even Paul, right? Like we talk about him as a, um, you know, he's Jewish education and mm-hmm. heritage. Uh, he's ethnically Jewish. We talk about him as a, a Roman citizen and what yes. that, you know, uh, allowed him to do. We talk about him and his Greek, you know, he's Greek brain. cultured brain, mm-hmm. you know, and yet we don't often throw in, he was also a single guy. Yeah. And like, he's, he's pretty clear that he was only able to do what he was able to do for God's mission because he was single. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, cool. Well, thank you, Chris, uh, for this discussion. Um, I um, aspire to uh, catch you in our fantasy baseball um, rankings. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably... Six spots back, baby. I know, it's not looking good. Um, But anyway, yes, uh, you can stay tuned for a upcoming uh, bonus episode of The Deep Dive where we will kind of just look at this chapter six and seven a little bit more closely. Again, we will. You can find this resource and more on our website, cover.church/resources. Uh, past deep dives, other book recommendations um, as well. If you have any questions or uh, if there's anything that you'd love to see us uh, tackle in a future episode, you can always email us at podcasts at calvary.church. And we will catch you again next week. Hope that you have a fantastic week. Go in grace and peace. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the deep dive a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.